chapter 11. We're looking at uh, what is called the Lord's Prayer, as you may uh, know it. It's also recorded in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. And for our study, we will be looking at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. This last week, I was thinking of a movie that came out in 2000 with Tom Hanks. It's called Castaway. If you had not seen that movie, long story short, he uh, ends up in a plane accident in the ocean. He is uh, on a deserted island, and it's a journey and a trial and a struggle, and from the very beginning, just trying to get a fire started is a challenge for him trying over and over and over, and there's this one point where he starts a fire, he begins to throw stuff on the fire, and the fire is burning, and he's standing there, and he looks around, he says, look what I have created. He's like, he says, I've created fire. And as I thought of that, and I was laughing about that, I thought of King Nebuchadnezzar. You ever ever heard of King Nebuchadnezzar? One of the greatest kings or the greatest king of ancient Babylon. And when you read of what uh, King Nebuchadnezzar did, uh, not only did he conquer other nations, but the things that he built were amazing. I mean, just in the city itself, the walls that he had built were large enough that you could have a four-horse chariot right across the top. He also, as three historians uh, record, that for his wife, he built one of these seven wonders of the ancient world called the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And this guy had all the authority and all the power, and it tells us in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, that one day he is on top of the palace, and he's looking about all of the area there of Babylon, and here is what he says Daniel 4, verse 30. Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my might, mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. He was focused on building his kingdom. And God put him in his place and humbled him. And a question for us this morning is, are we trying to build our own earthly kingdom here? Or are we praying for God's kingdom to come in all of its glory and splendor? This morning I ask that you would join me, that we we must evaluate our prayer life this morning. We must ask the question, how do I pray when I approach God? What do I ask for? And I would say that I was reminded this week, a problem for many people, including myself, is that it is very easy to let my needs and my issues dominate my prayer life. Now we're going to see in the Lord's Prayer that we are to ask We're to ask for our needs, to rely on God, but I know that for myself, my needs and the things that I want can sometimes dominate my prayer time with God. 
We should be a people who long to see God's glory and His kingdom acknowledged everywhere and in every way. And so this morning, the big idea, as we look at Luke 11, verses 1 through 4, is this. Praying kingdom-focused prayers impacts lives and changes me. Praying kingdom-focused prayers impacts lives and changes me. Would you look to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4? It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. The Word of God. Father, we ask this morning as we come to you that your name would be hallowed and lifted in this place as we were singing, Oh, what a Savior! Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. We praise you for the work of salvation in our lives. We praise you for giving us life and breath. We praise you that you are working in our lives even when we may not think that we see it. We praise your name that you are bringing your kingdom, and Lord, we look forward to the day that we see it in its fullness. Holy Spirit, help us this morning. Holy Spirit, empower us. Give us the eyes to see from your word uh, our prayer life and, and the way that we commune with you, that we would evaluate and that we would ask the question, are we praying your kingdom come? Father, we ask for a blessing on the reading and the preaching of the Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you are following along, this prayer is also in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus was responding here to a question by one of the disciples. We saw last week that Jesus departed regularly to go off by himself quietly to speak with the Father, to pray and talk with the Father, to hear from the Father. Last week, I I asked uh, if you have any questions about prayer, to write them in that little slip that we tear off and turn in, and and if you have a question, let me know. But I had two questions that were great uh, from last week. In regards to the Lord's Prayer, one of the questions was, does this mean I have to pray like a robot and say every word of the Lord's Prayer? And with that, there was another question that says, is it wrong to pray like I'm having a conversation with God as opposed to being specifically structured. I feel closer to God when I converse with Him, to tell Him my feelings, blessings, and needs. There is nothing wrong with conversing and talking with God. That is what prayer is. If you missed last week, we spoke and and, and looked at guarding ourselves from taking the Lord's Prayer as something that we just repeat and say over and over, and it just becomes some mantra or some practice that means nothing. But prayer is a conversing with God. On Friday... I had a number of hours to reflect on this as I learned to deal with, um, here in Montana, the Motor Vehicle Division. (laughs) And I found that the Motor Vehicle Division is not at all different from California's Department of Motor Vehicles. It takes a lot of time. 
And on Friday, because of some different things and situations, I ended up having to drive first to Bozeman to deal with some paperwork there and then come back and here in Missoula and go to the MVD. So I got to visit two of them in the state in the same day and the driving and these things. And I began to pray and to think over this, uh, that I would be preaching and was asking the Lord to answer certain things, but I was talking with God. I was not just saying the Lord's Prayer over and over again. And I was driving back and I realized this, God doesn't need my advice. Have you ever prayed and tried to say, hey, God, could you do this? Uh, God, you know what? Just give me that raise and I'll be able to give more to the church. Or that person who's been on the attack on you and you're like, God, this person is not honoring you because they're attacking me, so why don't you just strike them dead? Um, God does not need our advice. God has a plan. He has a will and a way. And what's amazing is that God will use our prayers to accomplish His purpose and will. So we must evaluate what we pray for. We must think about how we are praying. And so how are we approaching the Lord God, as we see here in Luke 11, last week, as it was pointed out, with reverence for the name of God, that we would hallow His name, that He would be holy. I want to look at two points this morning in this text, and the first one is the kingdom of God. We were just singing a few minutes ago about this, about the kingdom of God. In verse 2, it says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, what? Your kingdom come. But to pray for the kingdom to come, we must first know and understand what is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of heaven? Because from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he starts teaching, he starts speaking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, and he continues that throughout his earthly life, even after his death, burial, and resurrection, he teaches on the kingdom of God. So we must ask this morning, what is the kingdom of God if I'm to pray for the kingdom of God to come? Well, here's a summary of what the kingdom of God is, and we'll break it down. The kingdom of God is His rule over the hearts of man by His Spirit and His Word through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. We must understand that the kingdom of God has always been, has existed in all of eternity. But for us in our life today, we must understand what it means for the kingdom of God being present now here among us. And we long for and look for the final moment when the kingdom of God will be revealed in all of its fullness for us. And that longing should stir how we pray today. But today we want to focus specifically here on, on, on how are we praying in the present for God's kingdom to come. And one of the things that we know is that God establishes His kingdom here in the present by moving in the hearts of people. By moving in the hearts of people to come to the point of placing their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And if you think of the kingdom of God and you think of the work of God in our hearts, what He does is by His Holy Spirit empowers people to turn from all their wickedness, from all their sinfulness, to believe in Jesus, 
to have faith in Him and be given the righteousness of Christ. It's a radical, amazing, uh, sometimes hard to describe picture of what God does when His kingdom comes in the life of His people. God's kingdom also is one in which His citizens here today obey God freely and joyfully. Have you thought about that before? Have you prayed that as a citizen of the kingdom of God that you would obey God freely and joyfully? Because we battle temptation, we battle sin, we battle the, uh, we, the old self that's dead and gone but still rises up and we want to be disobedient. We want to do it our way, but do we pray, God, would you help me by the power of your spirit to obey you freely and joyfully? Something that we should pray and ask for. The citizens of God's kingdom, some of their names are saints, children of God, believers. If you have not thought about this before, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called a saint. We're not talking about a saint with a statue or, or, or from a, you know, someone who did a certain thing, but if you are a follower of Christ, you are a saint. Did you know that? That you could greet someone and say, hey, St. John. And we might laugh about that, but it's real. It's true. God's Word. As we saw last week, God is our Father, and we are children of God. As we believe in Him, He adopts us and makes us His own. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And if you're a citizen of the household of God, then you have been given all of the privileges of the rights and the protection that comes with being under the king. Now think for a minute what your life was like before you became a citizen of the kingdom. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says that we are all enemies of God. Now think about a king with a kingdom who has enemies. It doesn't go well for the enemies. But we are a part of a kingdom in which the king has transformed our lives from being an enemy of his to a child of his with all the rights, all the full benefits, all the protections and the promises of the king over the kingdom. Just that alone should amaze you this morning and cause us to praise the name of the Lord God Almighty. But it's important that you know this. If you are not a citizen of the kingdom of God, they sit, as someone who is not a citizen of the kingdom of God is an enemy of God. They have no rights, no privileges, and the end of their life is separation from the king of kings for all eternity in a place that we call hell. That is what faces those who are enemies of the kingdom, those who are not citizens of the kingdom of God. And if you find yourself in that place this morning, know that God is calling you to come to Him. To not go through a checklist of things, not to jump through some hoops, but to simply to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't require you to give a certain amount of money, 
to sign up for serving in a certain way. He doesn't ask you to go attend certain classes. He doesn't ask you to give this and that and do all these things. He says, simply, would you believe in the work that I've done for you to be forgiven of your sins through the Son, Jesus Christ? Amazing. And then he changes us from an enemy to a son and daughter of his own. And as we look at the kingdom of God present today, and before we look at how do we pray in that, I do want to remind you of that day that is coming. I do want to point you to the fact that the fullness of the glory of God's kingdom will one day be displayed. Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven. He's ruling and reigning now. But what did he tell his disciples that he would do one day? What did he say? He will come back. Jesus Christ has promised to return in all of his glory and all of his splendor. The angels told the disciples when they saw Jesus ascend in heaven, they said, just as he ascended, he will return. Jesus Christ will be coming in the clouds, ruling and reigning, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I wonder how many people one day will see the fullness of of His glory coming in all of His splendor and have never bowed the knee to Him. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are waiting for Jesus Christ's return. But to think that one day, No more sadness, no more injustice, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more poverty, no more death. Can you imagine that? The kingdom of heaven. We will see that in all of its fullness. One day Satan will be cast away to no longer attack the believers. What a day that will be. Amen? And so we should long for it, as Paul wrote there in Philippians 3.20, that we await a Savior, and that longing should affect how we pray kingdom-focused prayers. The second point this morning is praying kingdom-focused prayers prayers. It's important for us that we honor and glorify God, and we want to pray as He's directed us to pray, and so we need how to do that. Citizens of the kingdom of God need to pray that we would live accordingly, that we would again be obedient to God, that we would do that freely and joyfully. But we want to pray that even in the midst of the struggle that we have here as we walk the earth today, that we would pray that our world here would become more like heaven and the kingdom of God that we will see in all of its fullness Would you pray and join me in prayer that we would ask God to rule over our hearts? Because that's the big issue when it comes to praying and relying on God is our old man, our old self, wants us to live in the old way. And so there's this battle of, I can do this and that, whatever, and it's not until we fall on our face and it's like, oh God, help me. And the whole time he's wanting us to 
trust in Him and to pray and lay those things before Him instead of wasting all of our energy, all of our strength, and all of our, our, our knowledge on what we think is the best way to fix our problem. But to pray like Jesus teaches, we need to be people who are praying for what God wants. Have you thought about that before? Again, I was catching myself. I was praying for all kinds of things. My three little ones are sick this morning with a cold. And I was praying on the way back from Bozeman. I was like, Lord, would you heal Jonathan and, and Lydia and Chloe? Would you pray? And I was praying for a whole bunch of specific needs and all these things, which are great. But then I stopped and I'm like, wait, God, what do you want? This morning we were praying right before the service for people who are struggling. I was thinking about all the people that I know who are struggling with cancer. And I pray for their miraculous healing because I believe in a mighty God who can do that. But it hit me to think, wait, God, am I praying for what you want? You've allowed cancer in that person's life, so what are you doing? What is the work that you're doing? How are you using that person and their family around them? Am I praying in that way instead of just heal them, God, now? Sometimes the suffering and struggles you go through in this world need to come under that lens and to look at, God, what do you want in the midst of this? And so for me at times, I want my family and I want my loved ones and I want my friends to be pain-free and no suffering. And I have to stop and see, is God doing something to change their heart by allowing something in their life? Instead, maybe, maybe write this down or ask this question this week. Do I pray for that person to become more like Jesus? Because think about this. We want people's hearts to be changed at times. And so we'll say, God, change, change my husband or wife. Change my child or the children. Saying, God, change my parents. Or you're saying, change my boss or change my teacher or professor or change my neighbor. But do we pray, God, would you make them more like Jesus? So here, just pick on all the men for a minute, me included. Men like to fix things. And husbands like to fix their wives. And men are not good at this. And what I mean by that is, is we get it up courage and, and we want to tell our wife something and we're like, okay, um, honey, can I talk to you? And right away, the word honey, they're like, oh, they're going to say, I look beautiful today. Uh, sweetie, let me tell you. I was like, oh, yeah. And then you say something like, you know, I just want to tell you, you're really quite, quite critical towards me. If you're thinking that you were going to do that this week, man, that is not a good idea. That does not go over well. And, and the result then is sometimes in the spouse goes back and, and, says this and, and says something back and then men shut down and they be quiet and they're like, instead of just saying any more working out, it's more like, God, just take me home now. <laughs> I mean, that's a reality of what we try to do. So men, think about this. Instead of trying to fix your wife, would you pray? Because what happens is you are now giving control to God instead of you trying to fix it. That's a challenge. When you, and, and this is praying for the kingdom of God to come in the hearts of His people and to change us. 
I mean, think about whoever it is that you're praying that their hearts would be changed. What if you began to pray for that person and you saw in Scripture, here's how Jesus wants us to live, and you prayed for that person to begin living like Jesus, and you prayed for them every day, but also you do this. You begin praying and asking God to change your heart. Lord, let your kingdom come in my heart. And I'll tell you this. You go to Scripture and you pray over these things. God just may, going back to the, honey, you've got a critical spirit, it just may reveal to the husband, oh wait, I have a critical spirit. And God begins to work on his heart. I think sometimes we talk about praying for patience and humility, but we really don't want to pray for that, right? Because we believe that if we pray for patience or we pray for humility, God's going to actually do something, right? And I'm like, I don't want to learn to be patient, or I don't want to be humbled. But understand that praying for hearts to be changed is praying for the kingdom of God to come in their lives. Again, verse 2 says, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I want us specifically to look at, and I believe it's in your notes, there are some specific ways we can pray for God's kingdom. These are just some examples. Number one, pray for the hearts of the lost to bow their knee willingly to God's rule. Again, there's one day coming. There's one day coming where Jesus will return. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should what? Bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Are you waiting for that day, for those people to do that? Are you praying for them now, that today, that those you know who are lost, who are far from Christ, who are not citizens of the kingdom, are you praying for the kingdom of God to come to their hearts now, that they would bow their, the knee of their heart to Jesus now, they would confess now that Jesus is Savior, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is King of Kings? Do, would you, are you praying for those people now? You may have noticed, or, or, or not when you came in, there's a, there's a wall over here, and there's a, 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 I don't even know what you call it, but a wonderful display. And there's a bunch of cards, and they're different colors like this, and I've filled mine out. And I'm asking every single one of you to do this. And I, again, I, maybe I could organize it better, whatever, but there's some cards back there. Maybe there's some people who can hand them out as you go. But here's what I want you to do. I want every single one of you who are a follower of Jesus Christ to write down the initials of people you know who are lost and go and hang them and put them on one of those clips. And I don't care if a clip's got 30 of them, whatever. And I want some of you to begin, when you have time this week, to come by the church and walk over to the wall and just start praying over the initials. Don't put the names, because what if those people come and see that, or whatever? You might feel a little awkward. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is good. Say, hey, yeah, I've been praying for you. But I wrote down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people that I know who are lost. And I'm going to pin this on there when I leave today, and I'm going to ask the Lord to save these people that he would do a work in their life. 
because it's amazing to understand that according to God's will, that He moves at times by using our prayers. That in God's plans, He has this point of being to move, and it's at that point when we pray, He uses that prayer then to move. Who are you praying for? Family, friends, people in this city. You may not even know their name and need to write coffee shop because you know the person you're going to show up. Pray for their salvation. Join me and do that as we leave today, and I'll remind you of that in a few minutes. The second example is pray for God to supply all of the funds and resources needed for the ministry in this local gathering, in this church. Would you pray that God's kingdom would come in the sense that He would use every single one of us for God's glory? That we would not be some place where we just come and sit on Sundays. That we have work to do. If you, if you understand this, when you read in the book of Genesis, when God places Adam in the garden, before even sin encroaches and happens there in the fall in chapter 3, He puts Adam in the garden to work. So work is not bad. And once God saves us, He gives us work to do, which includes you and I being citizens of God's kingdom, using our gifts, praying for these, these kingdom prayers that we're to be praying. And so are we praying for all the funds, all the resources needed for the ministry in this church? I'll read to you a passage from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Read 1 Chronicles 29 this week. It's the end of King David's life. He's gathered up all the gold, silver, all these resources so that his son Solomon can build the temple. And he prays this amazing, powerful prayer, giving glory to God. And it says in verse, uh, verse 10, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Doesn't that sound like Jesus saying, praying, Father, hallowed be your name? And then he says in verse 16, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy names comes from your hand and is all your own. You know, sometimes I think we fall into the trap of uh, we're giving an offering, we're giving things to the church, or we're serving, and it's like, it's like I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm giving this, and we go, wait a minute. God gave me the money that I have here. God gave me this car to use for this. God gave me this resource and this home here. I need to give glory to God and say, hey, God, praise you for giving that. And then I think about this. I was looking in the prayer list this morning. I've seen this a couple of times. Are you praying that God would use us as people as resources for his glory? And what do I mean by that? I've only been here a couple weeks, and I find that there are all kinds of needs here. There's physical ways people can serve. There's needs for people to continue to pray for things. There are so many types of things. I'll just say one of them. The last church I served at had pews. We didn't have to move chairs. I don't mind moving chairs, but I noticed that the last couple weeks, there's just a couple people moving chairs. And I was like, man, we need some people moving chairs. I mean, it's things simple, or I see other things around, like, why does that happen? And so, 
are you praying that God would use us to use our resources? Some of you that were not here need to go and listen to Pastor Sean's sermon two weeks ago. He preached on this. It was excellent. It was about using the talents and gifts and strengths that God has given us for His glory. That's a way of praying for God's kingdom to come. Uh, number three, it says, th- third example is pray for protection from the enemy of God's kingdom. Who is the enemy of God's kingdom? Satan and all those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Go and read 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 this week. And Paul says, pray for us that the word would go out and be effective. But he also talks about praying for protection from the devil. Praying for protection against uh, Satan and the attacks of the demons. If you don't know this, there is a spiritual battle happening right now. Read Ephesians chapter 6. We're supposed to put on the armor of God every day so we can stand in battle against the enemy. There is an enemy out there that is fighting for the, to, to, to come against God's people, to keep those who are lost far from hearing the gospel and turning to Jesus. Pray for protection from the enemy of God's kingdom and here's one thing i want you to specifically pray for there are strongholds of the enemy here in this city have you once prayed for those strongholds to fall have you prayed i mean i think about this uh, i hear people even in the last couple of weeks talk about the lack of morality or the crumbling of the society here even in this city and the morality that used to be at some point just continues to decline. Have you ever prayed for God to change the culture? Do you think just because it's a fallen world that, oh, we just got to go with it until the end when Jesus comes back? Not at all. You're not praying a kingdom-focused prayer. Pray for the culture in this city to be changed for God's glory. Look at what happened to Nineveh. God sends Jonah. He goes to Nineveh. Jonah fought, you know, he gets swallowed by a large fish, all these things. But at the end, he says, God's going to wipe you guys out. They all repented and turned, and Jonah got mad about it. And at the very end, he's like, Jonah, why are you mad? And he, he, he just argues with the Lord. He's more upset about, he's like, you're more upset that this plant died and not give you enough shade than all these people in the city. And 100 and, what, 120,000 or something people, their lives were changed. Do you pray for the kingdom of God to come in the city of Missoula and for the cities beyond and the states and the nations to the ends of the earth? The fourth one is pray for my heart. Pray for your heart today to seek God's glory and His will. Again, I I mentioned that earlier. Are you praying that you would grow in obedience to God freely and joyfully? Ask the Holy Spirit to work in you because if you are like me, sometimes when we suffer, we struggle then maybe to believe God is trustworthy. And I'm reminded of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's facing a few hours before the cross and he prays, not my will, but what? Yours. If you're suffering today, if you think your plan is better, you need to pray. God, work on my heart. Not my will, but yours be. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is at the end of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, farther on in that chapter, teaching us this, that we pray and then we do something about it. If you're praying and asking God to change your critical heart, then you don't just sit back and say, Lord, I prayed for you to change my critical heart. No, you do something. You read the Word of God. Confess it to another person. You ask for encouragement. You get help in those areas. You actually do something. You don't just pray it and then just sit back and wait. You don't just pray, Lord, would you save all the people here in the city of Missoula and just, just sit back? No. Go talk to people. Talk to your neighbor. You may, it may be so fearful for you, but say, God, give me the, the ability to do that. Uh, and I would say this, and, 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 and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here right now. Here's an example of doing this. You read God's word and you pray to God help you to do that. So here's one example. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So we come to these passages and say, oh, what a wonderful, rich verse. I can memorize that one. But then we don't do anything with it. Holy Spirit, would you change my life? Lord, let your kingdom come that I would be a person who does what is good and just and kindness and walk humbly with you. Pray for those things. And God will answer those prayers because they're based on his kingdom coming in your heart. I'll close with this. Remember we started with King Nebuchadnezzar? And he said, oh, look at all I made. And God said, oh, wait a minute here. And God took away his authority. He made him go out into the fields like a wild beast. It says that his hair grew long. The nails on his hand grew. It's like he had these claws of like birds. And he's out there eating grass. I mean, the king of, of Babylon. And it comes to a point, it says in verse 34 of Daniel 4, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Father, I pray that we would not be like King Nebuchadnezzar did. Father, I pray that we would be people who are humble, that we are praying and asking for your kingdom to come and change our hearts, that we are praying and asking for your kingdom to come in the hearts of other people. Father, would you work in us in powerful and mighty ways that we would love and serve one another and that we would see you building your kingdom here. Father, I pray for any who are far off from you and today they came and heard the gospel. I pray that today they would be saved, that they would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in the heart that you raised from death to life and you would save them. And Father, would you be with each person, my brothers and sisters who are maybe struggling this morning, who are 
struggling to see that you are mighty and awesome and they can only see the struggle that they're in right now, would you show them the greatness and the glory of your kingdom and your will and plan for their life? We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful. Amen? It says the Lord is faithful in all His words and in all His works. Let the kingdom of God reign in our lives and as we pray this week your kingdom will come would you tell someone about the kingdom of heaven would you tell them about jesus when you leave will you fill out one of these and put it up there because i know i'll walk by there and i'll pray for these initials and names i don't even know who they are but maybe the prayer that i'm praying for some initial for mg on here maybe god's been asking me to pray for that and i pray and then he does a work i don't say the person but he does Father, I pray that as we go from this place, your name would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.